today that we honor you as the ultimate father of all fathers, and we give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Last week I started on the fatherhood of God, and a good verse, if you need that, is in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom all the says of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named of whom the whole heaven and earth is named you know this word here it says here the apostle wrote i bow my knees to the father of the lord jesus christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named the word translated family is patria which we get the word pater from which is father the best translation would be i bow my knees to the father from whom every fatherhood in heaven and earth derives its name. What's remarkable about this is, before God was ever a creator, he was a father. Before he ever created anything, he was a father. And we see that that, uh, in that. And it says, uh, what a remarkable fact, all fatherhood in the universe did not begin on earth, nor with mankind, or in human history, it began in heaven. All goes back to the fatherhood of God. Isn't that awesome? Jesus said what? No man can come to me except the Father which sent me draw them. Amen. They go. And when he was resurrected, he said, go tell my father and your father. Go tell my, that I'm risen. My God and your God. See, when Jesus rose, he became our father. Yes. Amen. Remember the disciple says, teach us to pray. He said, this is the way you pray. Why did he say that? Because all you've given to me, John 17, the men you've given me, they were yours. Amen. Now, I've kept them all but one. That's why he can say, pray this, our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation or to be tested. Amen. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. How long? Forever and ever. So that's what he he said. And you know when he said in John 14, he said, I go to my father's house. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in my father's house or many mansions. We talked about that last week. And it says here in 1 John 4, 7, it reveals us another fact. <clears throat> not only is God our father, God is a God of love. He says we arrive at the, the most wonderful conclusion. God as a father, creator of the universe, is a father of love. In countless ways, the universe he has created is the expression of the outworking of our Father's love and compassion for us. All creation responds to the Father's love. We looked at scriptures for that. Jesus came for two purposes, primarily. First, to pay the penalty for our sins that we might be forgiven and exchanged to the Father. Second, he came to reveal his Father to us. He says, no man can know the Father except the Son reveal him to you. Remember that? And he says, and, and, and that's the way it works. That's why he came, to, to reveal the Father. In John 17, when he prayed, this high priestly prayer, and it was six times, I think, in that chapter, he revealed who his Father was. He said, I have manifested your name to those you gave me. What was that name? Six times he used the name Father. It wasn't Jehovah. It wasn't all the words they used in the Old Testament for, our, for God. It was Father. And that's why Jesus came to bring us back to the family. Amen? Every family in heaven and earth is named. And that's when Jesus said, I've manifested your name to those you've given me. 
And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but what? Through me. He didn't come as a prophet. Jesus came as the Son of God. And just keep that in mind. And we talked about the revelation that he came. The revelation of Christ was a revelation of his Father. Jesus himself emphasized that over and over. The benefits of knowing the Father was one identity, exchange, self-worth, awareness that we have a home in heaven with Father. It's security. We all need security. We need identity. You remember I talked about the pastor that said he needed 20,000 people in his church to get where he needed to be to feel good about himself. And I said, is that enough? You sure that's enough? You may need a few more. You remember I said the truth is the more we aim at personal success, the less secure we have become. The more you aim at personal, personal success, the less secure you become. Because you're trusting in the wrong source. Now, you ready to finish? All right. I found the perfect pattern in Jesus when he said, He that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. How many things? Always. You know, if you're in exchange, you understand exchange, you understand union, you're not motivated by personal success. I've found personal peace in union with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perfect peace. My peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. In my Father's house are many rooms. Don't you like that better than mansions? I remember we had a friend who said, I just want a little cabin over in the corner of Glory Land. That's all I'm wanting. No. You're in a family. In my Father's house are many rooms. You're not going to get away with just a cabin over in the corner of Glory Land. Amen. You're going to be in Father's house. You're going into a family. It's a family thing. You're not going to get away with hiding out somewhere. So just get over it. That'll be exchanged in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And you're going to enjoy the presence. Because in the Father's presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand there's pleasures for evermore. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 says, If there therefore be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill you my joy that you may be what kind of minded? Like-minded. But you have the mind of Christ, so you can be like-minded. Having the same love, not a different one, one accord of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but the things of others. Let this mind. How's the word let? You have a choice. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made of himself no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. He took upon him the seed of Abraham, being found in the fashion of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross, wherefore, woo, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and the things in heaven and things in earth and the things under the earth. Does that leave anything out? No. Oh, no. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God the what? Father. Father. 
Jesus said when he was about over, Father, I've glorified your name on earth. I've glorified you, Father. And he did. And he said, now glorify the Son with the same glory that I glorified you. We see that. You know, the Apostle Paul endured a lot of trials and pressures. But you know, I want to say something. What Alan said is good. I'm going to talk about fathers in a way, but in a way, when I start talking about this, I want you to realize apart from him, you can't be a father. You know, we need that. God put that DNA in all of us. But apart from our exchange in him, so we are living by the fatherhood of another. Amen? There's hope for us fathers yet that we can live by the fatherhood of another. Okay, we'll get into that. Lest I forget, I don't want you to think I'm trying to put something on you you can't do because I just want to tell you up front you can. And if you try, you're going to fail. So just get over it. All right. Paul cried out to the Father. He said, He said to him under pressures and trials, Three times I cried out for relief, but God said, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Mm. Most of the time, if you're like me, you don't feel that you can handle the responsibilities that's on you as a father. But you know what? That's when we're looking at the wrong source. We've got to look to Jesus. Many times I've had to acknowledge to God that I am exhausted. My resources of trying to be what I need to be. And I'm trusting you for the exchange and strength I need. Genesis 18, Abraham. He said to Abraham, you're going to be a father. He said, Abraham, see the stars? Yeah. See the sand on the sea? That's what your descendants is going to look like. And that was before he had any kids. And that was years before he had any kids. And he tried to do it on his own and got us all in a mess. And we're all still in the mess today because he tried to do it on his own. Give me an amen out there. It even leaks over into the white. I mean, no. So don't be trying to help God out. He's well capable of doing what he's called us to do. He said, you're going you're gonna to be a father of many nations. Amen. And we see that in Galatians 3, 7. It says, know ye therefore they which are of the faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The farther men get away from God, the less they desire to be fathers. The more we become in union with the Father, the more responsibility we take as fatherhood. The more like God men become, the more they want to be a father. Single parent homes, nine out of ten single parent homes have the fathers missing. R.G. Lee said more children are cursed in this world today because of their fathers they're born with. Or not born with. It's unfortunate. By the time we think our parents were right, we have children that think we're wrong. Give me an amen out there. We have many, many teachers in the body of Christ, but we don't have many fathers. That's what Paul said. Responsible fathers. You know what I found as a spiritual father? It's a lot easier to be a spiritual father than it is to be a good natural father. Because you know why that is? Because we're trusting him and one and the other and we're still looking at ourselves too much. That's why we need not to remember the former things, neither consider the things of old. I do a new thing. And he's more than able to make us be who we need to be. 1 Corinthians four fifteen through 17. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. There's a poem. I would rather see a sermon than hear one any day. 
I'd rather walk, you walk with me rather than point the way. The eye is more ready student than ever was the ear. <clears throat> good advice is awful, often confusing, but a good example is always clear. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 2, you are our epistle known and read of all men. Known and read of all men. Ecclesiastes 3.11 <clears throat> Amplified says God has planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Is that awesome? God has placed fatherhood in every man. Every family on heaven and earth comes from that thing that God put in your heart. God has committed to every father the responsibility to reveal his fatherhood to his family in word and deed. Every father is to represent God to his family. For a Christian, there's no option. <clears throat> the greatest curse of the world today is fathers who have misrepresented God, forgotten who they were. You know, we've ministered to countless hundreds over the years, and I always start with rejection because I know that's the root. And the root started in the garden. I know that now, but back then, those days, when I didn't really have a full revelation, I'd always start, you got a root of rejection. Well, let's start with mom and dad, because that's usually where it started. Amen? Because that's where most of it started at. And, and that, because we don't, apart from God, have understanding to be able to do what he said we need to do. Amen? Oh, thank you, Lord. And I, as, as we've seen that so many times when, when we've ministered to people that, you know, and it goes further than that. There's a lot of people out there really hate their father. They really do. And it's mainly fathers. It's, it's not always mothers, but it's mainly fathers. Christ represented God to men. Man represents Christ to his family. 1 Corinthians 11.3. Our primary ministers as, as fathers is described, ministry as fathers is in Hebrews 13.15. By him, therefore, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know, one of the things that says in Deuteronomy, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you because you serve not the Lord your God with joyfulness and gladness of heart for the abundance of all things I've given you. Ingratitude, unthankful. See, we have a responsibility. The Bible says in everything give thanks. It didn't say for everything. But in everything, you can give thanks to the Father. You can rejoice. Although the herd's not in the stall and there be no produce on the vine and everything else goes to pot, yet will I rejoice in the Lord my God. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Joy is a bucket that draws water out of the wells of salvation. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> you with me? All right. Teaching our families to be thankful is essential, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. If we cannot thank God for someone, we probably have no right to pray for them. Let me say that again. Love your enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be a child of your Father who is in heaven. If we can't thank God for someone, we have no rights to be praying for Because most of our motivation for praying for them could be a little wrong. <coughs> Are you with me? You know, Job, the book of Job, you can learn a lot out of the book of Job. 
He would rise up, he said, and sanctify his children and offer burnt offerings and sacrifices for them. Because Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned in their heart and cursed God in their hearts. Job was claiming all the benefits of those sacrifices on behalf of his children. He was interceding in behalf of his children. He was claiming the benefits. But see, we as fathers and mothers can claim the benefits of Christ's sacrifice for our children every day. We can thank him for the sacrifice he made for not only for us, but for our sons and our daughter and our grandkids and everybody else. Amen. Even if you see a brother sin a sin that's not unto death, you shall ask life for that sin not unto death, and God will give you the benefit for somebody else. Amen. Yes. All right, I won't go any further on that. <clears throat> we see here in Job 42, 12, and 13, the Lord blessed the latter ends of Job more than the beginning when he prayed for his friends. And it says, For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. I don't know what happened to the male donkeys. Anyhow, he also had seven sons and three daughters. Job received exactly double what he had before. But he only got the same number of sons and daughters. How many of you can tell me why? Because he didn't lose the first ones. They're waiting for him. God had them in waiting, waiting for the redemption to come. So that he still, he didn't lose those. Amen? And we look at the, in the Passover. In the Passover in Exodus 12, 3, it says, Speak to the congregation of Israel and say to them, On the tenth day of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. The father took the hyssop and dipped it in the blood and put it over the doorpost and the lintel for the family. The father had the God-appointed ministry as priest in behalf of his family. Every father had that. You remember in Mark 9, 23 and 24, it says the father brought his son to Jesus. And he says, if you will, you can make my son whole. And Jesus said, no. He says, if you believe what he said to him. And the man said, I believe, help my unbelief. And he cried out, help my unbelief. And the boy was made whole. You know, one of the things I know and I've seen for myself, the boy couldn't believe for himself. Children need ministry. Always we get the parents involved. Not one time do you see Jesus ever minister to a child without one of the parents being there. Because that responsibility was with the parents. If we could see that we really don't know the, the responsibility we have as parents with kids, we have a greater responsibility. We have a God-given responsibility to exercise faith in behalf of our children. Jesus said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your house. You believe on me, your house will be saved. New Testament preaches household salvation. We don't go there a lot of times, but it's there. Oh, thank you, Lord. We talked about the wounds of rejection. And, you know, I realized it came when Adam sinned. And he felt, abandoned, he felt uh, afraid of God, and, and he, he fell into deep wounds of rejection. But you know, the ultimate wound that killed Jesus on the cross was rejection. <clears throat> now, I want you to hear me. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, you know, I'm not going to argue with a lot of people whether they believe this or not. But, you know, 
Let me write it, read it the way I wrote it. I am not going to argue with you whether or not you really believe this truth. But I want you to know that whether you believe it or not, Jesus felt in his emotions that the Father had abandoned him. Why? He took upon himself what we feel. True or not true? He took it on himself. He felt exactly what we felt. He felt abandoned. He felt the Father had abandoned him, even though it wasn't true. Because God was in Christ. God was in Christ. And, but he felt that rejection and abandonment we all feel. That's why Ephesians 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. He had to take our rejection to make us accepted. And that's what's so awesome about the exchange life. We're not trying to be sons and daughters because you are sons and daughters. He sent forth the spirit into your heart, into your heart, crying, Abba, Father. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. You know, a lot of people, I was, was raised in a home that showed absolutely no emotion. I never heard the word love in my house that I remember. Not once. I know that's strange. But you know what I found out? My mother and dad never heard it either. They knew how to not, they didn't know how to show emotion. I knew they had it, but you just couldn't find it if you look for it. And my kids was raised under a lot of that from me because I didn't know how. You with me? That's why it's so crucial that we have to go to the Father for things we didn't get. I know when I got saved, he said in Psalms twenty seventeen, your father and mother may have rejected you, but I'm taking you up. Your father may forget you. Your mother may forget you, but I won't. I've engraven you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are continually before me. So it doesn't matter how bad you failed. That's not who you are. That's who you were. So don't go back there anymore. I'm not. So you just will not go back with me either. Because we're not going there. Amen? Uh, Luke 17, 26, it says, As the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. Now what was it as the days of Noah? We go to Hebrews eleven seven, and we see, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of those things not yet seen, Moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. What did he do? Prepared an ark for what? The saving of his household. See, that's what fathers and mothers do. The greatest gift we can give to our families is to make sure our families understand that Jesus is the ark. That's why it says in First Peter, it says that, that we're not eight souls saved through water, symbolic of baptism. Were not eight souls saved in the preparation of the ark when it was being built? And it says, and we are saved through baptism. Not the water saves you, but who was the ark that come out of the water? Christ. And we were raised with him. Amen. Amen. He is the ark that saved us all out of this world. And we need to make sure our children remember that and know that. Why is that important? Because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. He's the only way you're ever going to get there. So if you've got another plan, you just well forgive it. Give it up because it ain't going to work. 
Now, I finished my message. Took me two weeks, but I got her done. Father, we thank you for your message today. We thank you so much that you are a father that teaches us how to be fathers. And apart from you, we cannot be fathers. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. So if you're a lousy father, just give up and live by the fatherhood of another.